man. I can't believe I get to preach this weekend because this, we are coming off of two of the most energizing events, um, maybe in our church's history, definitely in this, in this last year. We're coming off of follow. How many were at follow? Are there some follow people out here? Come on, come on guys. How many of you just got back at 5 a.m. from Passion? I saw, I saw these rows right here. You guys were worshiping with abandon. I love that. Was everyone watching what's happening over here? I hope that catches fire in our church. That kind of energy, that kind of passion. See what I did there? That's terrible. Man, um, it is truly an honor and a privilege. I really am thrilled that I get to share with you for three reasons uh, this weekend. If, if we haven't met before, I'm John, one of our pastors here. Hey, hi. <laughs> and, uh, and there's three particular reasons that I'm, I am uh, extremely excited to preach this message. Um, the first is this, um, it's that uh, we get to talk about our vision for the third time this, this year, this church year. Now, if, you're a part, if you've been a part of the Wesleyan Church, you've been a part of Impact, you would know that our church year does not follow the calendar year and we're just kind of weird like that. And I don't really know why it follows the dates that it does, but it goes from June 1st to May 31st. Does that make sense to anyone else? Everyone say no. All right, everyone say no. All right, okay, good. But it starts in June, and if you were here in June, uh, Jason preached a message for our vision for this year, and it's generations. Last year was hungering for God. It was this, we had these wristbands, God, we want you here. It was hungering after God. This year it's been generations. And we set out with some vision and I get to report on where we're at seven months into the vision. And it is, I'm telling you, it is exciting beyond exciting on what God has done in and through this church, in and through our body, in and through each of you individually and corporately. I'm also excited about this because I get to teach on God's word. And I love getting up here and teaching from God's word. Do you love God's word? Do you love God's word? I believe, I mean, I've been digging into it this week and I've been digging into like Second Chronicles and Second Kings. I don't know if you've been reading Second Kings and Second Chronicles this week. Uh, most people probably aren't reading out of Second Kings and Second Chronicles. Um, but I'm telling you what, there are, there are texts in here. This is living Inactive. Do you believe that? It's got something to say to you today. It has something. I mean, this was written uh, 2,000 and 3,000 and 4,000 years ago, and it's got something to say. It is God breathed, inspired. Do you believe that, church? So I'm pumped because I love getting up here and teaching God's word. And the third reason is this this is the first weekend of the new year. And this is, there's something that happens in a change of a calendar year, and this is not just in the church, but I love that even outside of the church, people are doing things that I think spiritually God wants us to do, even in our, even in our culture. Like what happens at the, at the turn of 1159 to 12 a.m. on December 31st into January 1st, as people are like, whew, 2023 is gone. And what do they say? Ah, oh, man, I'm looking forward to 2024. Do you know Paul writes things like that? So as like Ryan Seacrest is ringing in the new year in New York City, I'm like, you know what? He's kind of saying things that God has written in scripture and they don't even know 
that they're declaring. You know what Paul says in the, to the church in Colossae? He says that you've got to take off the old garments and you put on something new because God has got something fresh for you. And what, uh, some, some other things Paul says, he says, I, I, you know, I, I strain, I forget what's behind and I strain toward what is ahead, the goal that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, we're going after our vision this year. And um, as, as we're entering into a new year, I've chosen a word that actually just came to me this week as I was studying um, the text that we're gonna be reading through today. Um, and it's this word, it's reform. All right. I believe God wants to reform my life. And that's a scary thing. And I'll share with you why it's a scary thing as we get into this text, reform. Impact's vision for 2023 and 24, I've got it up here on the screen. This is a document that you'll find on our website. And we set, set out to, uh, to put all of our eggs in the basket of generations this year. This year's theme, generation, next generation, our church will invest extravagant time, energy, and resources into our students, amen? They will continually consume our thoughts and dreams this coming year, amen? amen? Our desire is for them to experience God through monumental events, amen? amen? We will seek to galvanize our sons and daughters with lasting core memories, amen? Oh, seven months ago, we compiled three Psalms from Psalm 71, 78, and 145. Two of them are from David, one's from Asaph. Uh, even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim, proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. This generation shall commend your works to another, declaring your mighty acts so the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. You know what's ironic about these verses right here is that David wrote them. And I don't know if David knew this, but 14 generations after he was king, uh, most of the kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. Most of his grandkids and great, great grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids did evil in the sight of the Lord. Second Kings chapter 22, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Second Kings chapter 22. We're gonna talk about a guy who became a king at the ripe old age of eight. Second Kings 22 begins like this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Josiah was 14 generations removed from his father, David. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscath. Anyone from Boscath here today? Anyone hailing from there? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Age eight, the story of Josiah, the boy king. Church, someone in here needs to hear today and actually most of the people that would need to hear this today. So if you're a parent of an eight-year-old, you just need to make sure that you're taking this, you're tucking this away and you're holding on to this truth right here in this text. You are never, you are never too young or too old to be used by God. You are never too young 
You are never too old to be used by God. I have an eight-year-old in my house right now. I have an eight-year-old. His name is Easton. Any, any parents out there with eight-year-olds? Any eight-year-olds out here? Do we have eight-year-olds? They're all in kid zone probably. My eight-year-old, he's in kid zone. And uh, he's got a lot of energy. Uh, my eight-year-old likes playing video games. He likes playing Monopoly with me. Um, he needs help tying his shoes, okay? My eight-year-old would forget his head if it weren't attached. Anyone else? My eight-year-old needs coerced into brushing his teeth. My eight-year-old doesn't like taking showers or baths. Anyone else? This is the eight-year-old. These are the eight-year-olds I know. In fact, this week, just two days ago, we're eating breakfast and my eight-year-old, he's got a bagel. We like bagels with cream cheese around our house. And he's got a bagel and he said, mom, I need help with the cream cheese. And I look over at him, I'm like, what? Get it? No, you don't. It's cream cheese, you scoop it out, and put it on the bagel and eat the bagel. You don't, what are you talking about? And Amy said this to Easton. She said this, and I, I think uh, some of us just need to take this home with us. You can do more than you think you can do. There's more in you than you think there is. Amen. Josiah becomes a king at the age of eight. And he does things in the years to come, primarily in his childhood, in his teenage years, and in his young adult years that would rival any other king in Israel's history. As a student, as a kid, as a teenager, parents, are you pouring in, adults in this place, are you pouring into the next generation, believing that there is more in them than they think is in them? Are we doing this as a church? And he becomes a king at the age of eight. Second Chronicles 34, if, you, if you're gonna read through, I can't read through all of Josiah's story because it's actually four different chapters. It's Second Kings chapter 22 and 23 and Second Chronicles 34 and 35, four different chapters, two different books that talk about Josiah and his life. It is extraordinary. Go home and read it this week. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse three is talking about Josiah and it says this, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Now, can we, let's do some math here together, all right? He's eight years old when he becomes king. In the eighth year of his reign, how old is he right here? 16. He's 16. He just got his driver's license. <laughs> he can drive a chariot now. He's got the reins, a couple horses. He's got some pretty big responsibility. 16 years old. And what does it say of Josiah? That he began to seek the God of his father, David. Last weekend, uh, when we were at, did church all online, we heard a message from John Tyson. I don't know if you tuned in and listened to that. John Tyson took he, he and his family on a tour of all of the great revivals. And one of the things that he noted of every great revival, that, that kind of a thread, it wasn't just that God's word was elevated, though God's word was elevated. It wasn't just that prayer was uh, tantamount. It wasn't just all these different things. It wasn't all, it, it was this, God shows up where he's wanted. 
God shows up where he's wanted. And Josiah, at the age of 16 years old, he begins to seek God. Do you know any 16-year-olds that are seeking the Lord? Do you? Our culture, we, we like to harp on teenagers. I said, yeah, there's man, 16 year olds. There's a reason that they're high risk insurance. You know, they're driving crazy. Their whole brain hasn't even developed yet. I mean, we, I mean, we, tell, we have all these kinds of things to harp. You know, 16 year, I, I know 16 year olds that are seeking God. Check this out. This was at, this was right across our church building in our youth center this year. I went to a rally uh, for our high school and middle school students. Look at these students right here. They're worshiping. Still you give yourself away. They're singing out to God about who he is, seeking the Lord. Church, does this get your blood pumping? I hope it gets your blood pumping. Josiah begins to seek God. Now there's theologians wonder as they read through these texts, how did Josiah know even to seek God? Because his dad did not seek God. His grandpa was one of the most evil kings in all of Israel's history. In fact, his grandpa uh, likely actually performed child sacrifices. That's how evil things got in Israel and in Judah. How did he know? How did Josiah know who to follow? What most theologians believe that it was from the righteousness of his mom, Jedidus, and, and it doesn't say this in the text, but they're, they're, they're doing some study, some background. And there's another relative um, that I just found out this week. This is what I love about God's word. When you study God's word, you just find new things out, tucked away in God's word. Found out there was a relative of Josiah's. His name was Zephaniah. And he was preaching at the time that Josiah would have been a kid. And he wrote a, um, a prophetic book. It's, in, your, it's in, in scripture, a prophetic book. And in Zephaniah, he writes things like this. Woe to the city, talking to Israel. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She, she accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. And check this out. She does not draw near to God. You see, I, I wonder, and many theologians wonder, uh, did Josiah read and take heed as a 16-year-old of this warning, this rebuke from one of his own relatives, Zephaniah. And he hears this word from the Lord and instead of turning from it and doing whatever the heck he wants to, he seeks and draws near to God. Church, we've got a generation that is drawing near to God. I saw it this week. I've heard about it this week. I've watched it even right here with our young adults. I watch it with our students. I've seen it. I've, I've watched tears come down students' faces as they're getting honest and, 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 uh, and, and confessing sin, as they're getting free from addictions, as they're breaking bondage. God shows up where he's wanted. Second Chronicles 34, so in the 12th year, so again, we've got eight-year-old Josiah, and, he, and he's not too young to lead. We've got 16 year old Josiah and he's not too young to seek God. Now we've got the 12th year of his reign. How old is he now? He's 20. Next year he can drink. Okay, that's how old Josiah is now. 12th year of his reign. 
12th year of his reign, he begins to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places. Now he's going on a rampage. He's been seeking God now for four years and he's like, something isn't right in my country. Something's not right in my city. Something's not right in my church. Something's not right in my family. Something's not right here and I'm gonna make it right. Anyone wanna make right wrongs? Man, so he begins to go throughout Judah and Jerusalem, purging of high places, Asherah poles and idols. You know what an Asherah pole is? It's pretty much a sex object. It's literally a, um, uh, it's an idol that, that glorifies sex. Does this uh, ring any bell for our culture? Does this like connect with our culture at all? No, we don't have Asherah poles, but do, does our culture worship sex? Oh my word. It's funny just how much, sometimes I hear from people who are like, I just am not sure how I connect with the Bible because it was written so long ago and so much is different now than what it was then. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they're worshiping sex. Do we worship, this is, we worship the same things. They're getting, they're getting uh, plastered and they're, they're into all kinds of addictions and deviance and then our culture's the same. And so he's going out throughout Judah and Jerusalem and he's tearing down these Asherah poles and idols under his direction. The altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them. He smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. He broke down to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars. And so he purged Judah and Jerusalem in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, in the ruins around them, he tore down the idols, the Asherah poles, and crushed the idols to powder, cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he goes back to Jerusalem. He goes and lays waste to all of the brokenness and all of the sin. Age 20, 20 years old. I was just talking to uh, Jason and I was uh, texting with Allie as our, as our young adults were at Passion this week. And man, there were some 20 year olds this week that were laying waste to some idols in their life. They were tearing down Baals and Asherah poles and idols and these things that have become a fixation in their life and they're tearing them down for revival, for reform. Church, you need to hear this. Reform starts with the removal of sin. Paul talks about it, Jesus talks about it, Old Testament, New Testament, it's both. Reform starts with the remo removal of sin. And the removal of sin starts with humility and contrition. One of the texts goes on, so Josiah is doing this and he's hearing from the word of the Lord. He's a young adult now, he's 20 and between 20 and 26 years old. And it says this in 2 Chronicles 34, 26, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive. Everyone say responsive. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and against its people. And because you humbled yourself before me, you tore your robes and you wept in my presence. I have heard you, declares the Lord. This is about humility. This is about contrition. Do you know any teenagers that are removing sin in their life? I do. Got some pictures right here from Follow This Week. 
some of these students you know, Frankie and Bowden, Ave over here. Another picture from our altar call and this one right here, there were over 80 students from our church that went forward to surrender their hearts and their lives to Jesus. I talked to someone personal, some of them personally afterward. I talked to a high school young man who was like, man, it's just, it's been pornography and I'm giving it, I'm giving it up, I'm giving it to God. And he's crying and there's tears of repentance. Do we weep tears of repentance anymore? Our students are. Our students are, they have this week, church. Does this get you excited? Man, this gets me excited. I saw them, they're just, they're being moved by God. And there's Josiahs and there's students that have such calling placed on their life and the enemy is coming for them and we're coming for them harder. The enemy is coming for them, but God's bigger than the enemy. And I watched as students went forward and they're weeping. I talked to Jason just beforehand and hearing about a 15 hour drive back from Atlanta. So many conversations of students breaking chains, generational chains, addiction chains, all of these chains of sin of the enemy and they're breaking it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on church. Is this amazing? God's doing it in our day. He's doing it now. He's doing it now. When the king heard the words of the Lord, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ahikim, or Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant of is in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. You see what happened right here. This is literally, no joke, church, 350 years had gone by since the prophet Samuel. And if you read the rest of Josiah's story, you know that he actually institutes Passover. Do you know what Passover is? Passover is their celebration, their independence day, their celebration of what God did. And it had been 350 years since Israel had celebrated Passover. Can you imagine our country going 350 years without even mentioning the 4th of July? What, what happened? Who, who died for our freedom? What happened for our freedom? Israel had forgotten where they came from. They forgot what God did for them. And so Josiah, he finds, they're going back to the temple and the temple is just in shambles. And they find the word of the Lord and they read it. And he says, what's written in this book that has been found, he doesn't even call it scripture. He doesn't even call it Torah. He's like, this book? We don't even know what this book is. Is this book holy? This, this book, is, these, are, these are words from God. We've been forsaking them. God in his, in the, great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Church, if we want revival, and we want revival, Amen. we just sang about revival. We believe in the God of revival. We believe in the God that can take from the most arid of situations, from the driest of ground, and he can bring new life like you wouldn't even believe. It looks like everything is dead, everything is forsaken, everything is forgotten, and he brings and births new life. Right, church? 
If we want revival, then we must elevate God's word. Do you know of 16 and 20 and 26 year olds who wanna elevate God's word? I do. This week, this was part of my life group. This was us standing in Cincinnati, Ohio in a circle and praying together. Just before this, these young men, when I asked them, what is it that you feel like you want from God? What do you feel like God's challenging you to do in your life? These are some of the things that they said. I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. Shaking. I, feel, I, think, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. I, I really want God to show me, to speak, to show me just a little hint of what I need to be doing in life. Longing for God. I'm looking for reassurance that God is there. I need to find a way to connect with God more. One said, I wanna engage more in prayer in this dialogue, this constant dialogue with God. One said, I've been trying to focus on, on the gospel, on worship. I need to find out what I'm supposed to do. I wanna pray more. I wanna hear from God more. I want God to spark a fire in my heart. I want this for, for my life. These students are crying out, pouring out their hearts saying, God, I want you here. I want revival in me. I wanna find my mantle, my calling. Literally, I had a young man say, I need to find my mantle, my calling on my life. It's like, that's amazing. Keep chasing after that, keep pursuing God. God will not forsake you. He will show up, he will speak to you. One said, I wanna get reconnected with God's word. A longing and elevation of God's word. So Josiah's life in 2 Kings 23, 25, it says this, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him. Listen how poetic this is. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul and with all his strength. Do you hear the first and greatest commandment that Jesus said later in the New Testament? in accordance with all the law of Moses, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. And when did he do it? He did it as a kid. He did it as a teenager. He did it as a young adult. You are never too young to be used by God. You don't get some junior Holy Spirit. You don't get like half a dose, like, like it's a medication. Well, you're a little smaller, a little younger, so you get half the dose. No, you don't. You get all of it. You get all the power. And in fact, we, church, I want, if you're a student in this place, we want to follow you. You're following us. We are following you. This is a mutual relationship. This isn't just, well, we're, on, we're gonna t tell you exactly what. No way. We're following you as you follow us and we're following your passion and your fervor. And we believe in this generation. We believe that the greatest revival is ahead of us right now. In our day, we believe that God wants to, to, uh, to unleash heaven, to pour out his spirit and to create the greatest revival that we've ever seen. Do you believe that church? And it can happen in our day. Neither before nor after was there a king like him who turned to the Lord. And this is why we've been so passionate about the next generation this year. This is why we've put all our eggs in this basket. 
And it's kind of unusual. I'll just tell you, church, it's kind of unusual. When we were at Follow, Jay and I had so many pastors in our denomination come up to us and they're like, what is it that you're doing? How did you get a group this size to come to what, wait, what are you doing that you have a theme of generations? What is, we, we were told that our church by far was the largest group in the entire nation that went to Cincinnati to follow. And that's because of, that's because of you. That's because of our church. I want, I'm, I'm just, are you excited to hear some reporting? Because I'm going to report on some of these eight ventures. We set out, we set out with eight ventures, okay? We set out in June with eight ventures and I'm gonna go one by one through them. And before I get to one by one through them, I wanna talk to you a little bit about what we set out to do with our giving, with our finances, which again is just kind of unprecedented. I've never heard of a church that's done it. It's a crazy vision that's been led from our board and from our executive team, from our staff, from our church. All of you have gotten on board with it. And we set out in June to designate $240,000 toward these initiatives. And this is where we're at. We have already from designated giving alone, this is not from our tithes and offerings, from designated giving alone, you guys from your own offering above and beyond have given $224,000 to these initiatives. Can we celebrate that? Now, I gotta be honest, church, I wasn't really sure how to preach this um, or how to even share about it. I was talking with Ryan this week, Jason this week, Chas, our finance administrator this week. Like, how, how do I exactly, how do I tell our church that they should actually let up on giving? Cause we're like, we actually have, we have so much money in this fund. We're having to get creative on what to do with the money. There are, from general tithes, yeah, yeah. From general tithes, we've, uh, we've moved 138,000. So our total, our goal, seven months ago, we're, we still have five months of the church year. Remember how weird it is? It goes till the end of May. Yeah, so we still have five months of the church year. We have $363,000 in generations right now. I don't really know, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Um, In fact, I just wanna say church, like this church is such a generous church. If you are a part, if you're coming to impact, maybe for the first time, maybe you've not been around for very long and you don't wanna hear a message on giving. I'm not really giving a message on giving, but I'm kind of giving a message on giving right now. We are a generous church. And if you're gonna be, I, I just invite you, be a part of the celebration of generosity because this is like abundance coming from abundance. This is abundant life that we're able to give financially because of abundant life that people are living and experiencing and giving. I could tell you story after story after story of people giving small amounts, massive percentages, large amounts and massive percentages and everything in between because they've bought into the vision and they want to see a revival in this generation. We're not gonna stop now. We're not taking our foot off the gas church. You wanna hear some of the updates on ventures? I wanna give them to you. So even if you don't wanna hear them, I'm going after them anyway, all right, okay. Impact's vision, I'm gonna take the bottom half of this document. You can find this on our website. Uh, We set out in June 
for eight ventures. Ecclesiastes 11 verses one and two says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may, ex- may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. Now, if you're risk averse like me, you don't really want to ship the grain across the sea because you're not sure if it's even gonna come back. And we weren't really sure when we set out to, to uh, tackle these initiatives, will our church get behind this? Will we have money to do this? These are massive initiatives. Taking a group of 30 young adults to Israel is a crazy initiative that literally costs $180,000. Just Israel. These are big initiatives. Ark Encounter, give families grants for tickets. Number two, follow conference, International Westland Youth Convention. Number three, arts explosion for younger kids on site at impact. Number four, summer camp, camps for all ages, first to 12th grade. Number five, passion conference, young adults trip to Atlanta in January. Number six, mission trips, a local and global experience for high schoolers. Number seven, an Israel trip for 18 to 25 year olds to get to the Holy Land. And number eight, a trip out West of 20 juniors and seniors for a backpacking trip. Most of these we had never done. So this is shipping our grain across the sea. Like, I don't know, this is, but we believe God, you've called us to this. Number one, Ark Encounter. So far this year and and, uh, adults, I'm telling you, if you wanna go, you can go and then you send us uh, kind of your receipt and we will reimburse uh, y- your, um, your registration or your tickets to get into the Ark Encounter Creation Museum. Ark Encounter, here are some families that have gone. This is the Ingraham family and they're standing and they're sowing seeds of God's word and God's truth into their kids at an early age. Here's a couple other pictures from the Ark Encounter. This is from the Ingraham strip. This was from Will and Wendy this week. <clears throat> Another one here of Josh Randall and Diane and their family. And I think right before this, Josh was riding that Mastodon. It was amazing. <laughs> we, we lost the footage, so we're still looking for it. Um, it got lost on the web. Um, no, this is, this is amazing. And you have this episode, seriously, take advantage of it. Right now, we've had just under 10 families take advantage of this initiative to get to the Ark Encounter. Number two, follow conference. I'm, I just got to give kudos to Ben Jagger, Jesse Stevens, and Jennifer Johnson for all of the work they put in to make the follow conference happen. This is, this is a picture of our group right up here. We're all packed in there and it smelled like teen spirit. I literally, I sent my wife I kid you not, I sent my wife a text in the middle of one of the sessions. There were 5,000 students at this event and I sent a text. Wow, there are so many bad smells in this room right now. I mean, it was a combination of all of the worst smells you could possibly and yet the best experience ever. And this group right here, this was 149 students and 31 adults. We took 180 people from Impact down to Cincinnati. 
And our church, I mean, we've collected, I think 65,000 just for this event, 25,000 in, uh, in scholarships and in funds to go to it. And listen to some of these numbers. Uh, I, we, we tried to count, Ben and some of our leaders, we tried to count, we really lost count, probably 80, maybe a hundred of our students who went forward to surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus. Incredible. 15 from our church. I don't even know who they are. If this is you, come up and talk to me afterward. 15 who responded to a call to ministry. And they knelt surrendering their hearts and their lives to Jesus to be used by God in ministry. Young Josiahs in this place. Baptisms, anointings with oil. I'm telling you, it was amazing. And this isn't one of our initiatives, but I'm sharing about it anyway, because we're talking about youth right now. Um, we set out last summer, Jesse came on staff. We did a whole, uh, a, just a rework of our entire youth ministry program. Went from ISM to IY or Impact Youth. And Jesse came on, on the team and he's done an incredible job with our high school students. And Ben has taken our middle school students. And we have had in the last six to seven months, an average of like 70 plus students at middle school and 70 plus students at high school for rallies every single weekend. Here's some of the pictures from these rallies. Look at this. Yeah, we can keep, let's go right through. Look at these, this was from the kickoff. Students worshiping right here across our building in our youth space. Number three, arts summer and winter arts opportunities. Did you know, if you're newer to Impact, you might not even know that this is an option, but we have an arts program that seeks to help kids discover their giftings at an early age, discover passion at, a, at an early age, because we really do believe that God has called kids and, and people with a variety of, of talents, abilities, gift sets. And so we're gonna pour into them. They're discovering spiritual gifts and tangible gifts and all kinds of passion through these arts programs. Last summer, our summer arts program had nearly 120 kids here all week. And I believe it was the end of July, beginning of August. Next up, and I, there, here's a picture of, of Liz. Liz is our director of our arts. This was from last summer at our summer arts program. It's coming up again this summer. So buckle up, parents get ready for it. This winter though, from, from February until June, there's going to be classes that they call dating the arts. It's an opportunity for parents to engage in the art exploration with their kids. So one big person, one little person, or one kid, one student. Intentional time, just the two of you. I've watched on Facebook, some of you post these pictures of you like going to some like canvas painting thing and you're holding up your canvases. Do you know what I'm talking about? People painting together or building something together. That's what we're doing. We're doing things like that where kids can do that with their parents and create these memories together with their parents. Cookie decorating, canvas painting, Lego building, pottery painting, wood projects. We had some of them at Make It, Take It um, just in December. This is Todd and Carter West leading this one at Make It, Take It. Number four was this, summer camp. We are poised, we've been talking to our executive team this week, we are poised, poised to give tens of thousands of dollars. I, I, I mean that number. We are poised to give tens of thousands of dollars to see students between first and 12th grades get to summer camp. 
Jesse shared his testimony back in September on a weekend service. And he shared that he got saved at a summer camp. It's called Machindo. We're looking into booking Machindo for our students. Does Jesse believe in what happens at summer camp? You better believe he believes it because it changed his heart. In between my seventh and eighth grade years, as a young teenager, I rededicated my life to the Lord at a summer camp. It's called Camp Union in Podunk, Ohio. And I mean, I mean, it was out in the sticks and God showed up in my life. I've never been the same since. Summer camp. Jesse and Ben, Tony and Jennifer, they're working on plans for summer camp. So parents, stay tuned. If you have questions, go to them. In the next month, month and a half, we're gonna be having a lot of information coming out on summer camps and opportunities to get involved and to get financed um, for summer camp. Tony has been leading one at Winding Creek for about seven years for kids. So we're gonna likely be taking kids to Winding Creek and to some other camps, hopefully Machindo. We're still working out those details. Number five was this passion conference. Where are my passion conference people? Passion conference. This is a picture of our group, Allie Holdridge, our uh, young adults director right down here in the lower right-hand corner. She led a group of 47 young adults down to Atlanta, Georgia to passion. Uh, she texted me this week, um, Sadie Robbins, uh, Robertson was speaking um, at one of the sessions and she said this, talking to 50 to, I think it was 50, 60, 70,000 young adults, the largest, no joke, I'm not exaggerating, the largest young adult gathering in our lifetime, maybe ever in the history, like a, a young adult gathering of 22 uh, to 25 year olds. And Sadie Robertson said this, do not let the story be lost. And what she's talking about is the story of God's word. Do not let it be lost. Carry the mantle of God's word. Be a Josiah and take God's word and keep, keep uh, preaching it and propagating and, and carrying on the legacy of God's word. Don't let it be lost in our culture. Don't let it be lost in your family. Don't let it be lost in your friendships and your walk with God. Here's a picture that Ali sent me of the stadium. I wasn't kidding, 50,000, I mean, Mercedes-Benz Stadium down in Atlanta, Georgia, filled with 18 to 25 year olds, just heart abandoned worshiping God. Does this give you hope for our culture and our generation church? Yes. Number six, mission trips. We're looking at some youth mission trip opportunities through YouthWorks, uh, some of them that would be stateside, so we wouldn't be international this summer, but we would be stateside going to different urban locations outside of, uh, of Michigan to some different cities in the US. Um, and honestly, I've taken some mission trips within the US that are just as cross-cultural experiences, some of the most diverse neighborhoods and locations that are very, very different than Lowell. I know that's surprising to you, right? So stay tuned, parents. Jesse, Ben, Next Gen team, they're working hard to get details out in the next month, month and a half for mission trips. And again, we are poised to give thousands of dollars towards seeing students these trips. Israel trip number seven. I don't know if you've been watching the news lately. 
Um, but for real, this is, I mean, seriously, something to be praying about for our brothers and sisters over in the Middle East. And um, we had a donor, this is something to celebrate. We had a donor just in, I think it was September or October of this year, we, we started crunching numbers for an Israel trip. And we're like, we really wanna take 30 students. It feels pretty audacious because the price tag is 180,000 and that's $6,000 per student. And I don't think students really have $6,000 to, to make an Israel trip happen. So we had a, we had a family show up and they gave 90, thousand dollars to cut the cost in half for our Israel trip. Isn't that amazing? People getting behind this stuff. Now this one is up in the air. We're not sure when we can go. Once we get details on when we can go, when it's safe to go, when there's not all kinds of unrest or um, uh, where, where it wouldn't cause all kinds of threats to the safety of the team, then we'll make the decision, we'll discern as a leadership team, when is the right time for us to go. We would love to still go in this year, but I, we're not sure if that's going to happen. So possibly even into next calendar year for the Israel trip, but it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And students are gonna walk as young adults, walk where Jesus walked and touch and see the spaces where he preached to the masses. And number eight, the last one was a trip out west. I talked to Jake Heitman, who's leading a team of other outdoorsmen and outdoors women. Who are my outdoorsy people in here in this room? And uh, we're planning a trip for June. <clears throat> So in June of this year is going to be, a, an, uh, an early June is likely going to be the wilderness quest. And not only are we looking at juniors and seniors, I know on, on the document it said juniors and seniors, we're actually looking at a group for freshmen and sophomores. We're gonna start up weekly local hikes in March to prepare for this outdoor adventure out West. Church, we are not taking our foot off the gas. We're not taking our foot off the gas until the summer of 2024, really even beyond. We're not taking our foot off the gas. We believe that God has called us to this. We prayed this prayer. This was on that document that, that we put together in June. God, pour out your spirit on our sons and daughters. I wanted, let's pray this together. I want us to say this together as a church right now. God, pour out your spirit on our sons and daughters. God, we believe there are Josiahs in this place, eight-year-olds who are going to seek God, who are seeking God right now. We believe that there are 16-year-olds who are going to tear down idols. There are 20-year-olds in this place that are going to lead others to turn to the Lord. They're going to evangelize and tell people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And it's going to transform their teams. It's going to transform their workplace, their home, their own lives. We believe that there's 26-year-olds who are going to declare and uphold God's word. We believe God. Do you believe this church? So God, would you continue to do this in our day and in our church, in our city, for your kingdom, for your glory? Would you raise up Josiahs? God, we believe that you're no respecter of age. If we're not dead, then you're not done. You're calling our church to rally intergenerationally, multi-generationally, 
around one another, to lead one another. We pray for Josiah's to rise up in our church to lead, God. And will you help us to be a church that continues to get behind them, to help shape, to help mold, to help disciple, God. All for your glory, all for your fame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming this weekend. You're dismissed. Commission to go. We'll see you next week.